Hey everybody, it's Pastor Dylan and welcome to the Dayspring Wesleyan Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take the time to download our church app. It's the best way to stay connected to the life of the church. All you have to do is go to the app store, search for Church Center, download and enter the information for our church. You will then be connected to our church community. I hope the following presentation inspires you to move closer to God in this journey we call faith. Enjoy. Well, good morning, church. So I want to make just a couple quick announcements. Uh, The first thing is we do have Jingle Jam tonight, which if you haven't heard anything about it, it's going to be a great time for you to bring kids, your family, anybody can really come to this thing. It's going to be out in the gym. Starts tonight at 6. So we really want to encourage you to come because I really think you're just going to have a great time uh, worshiping together, hearing some funny skits and seeing some some guys do some things up front. That'll just be a fun time together. Uh, So if you're older and you're worried about sound, just plug your ears for a little bit of it. Uh, But there'll be lights and a little bit of um, some music and stuff. But it's all based around the Christmas theme, which is our Savior. And so we just want to thank you for being here today. And also, uh, so as part of our Christmas Eve service, uh, you know that we, we've got a lot going on there. We're having the services at 3 and 5. Um, and so we're expecting a great time together as that as well. But we do need some help afterwards because we have... Um, Christmas service as well, Christmas morning. And so we need some help cleaning up. So if anybody's available and able to help, if you wouldn't mind uh, signing out there today in the lobby, we'd appreciate all that help. And didn't our kids do a great job last week? And that was fantastic. So uh, from what we can tell, we had over 1,100 people who got to hear a message of Jesus last week through our kids. So that was just fantastic. And I want to say again, thank you to all those that were involved in all of this going on. Now, I do have to tell you, um, I know some of you know that I've been having problems with my eyes uh, because trying to get that, um, um, some of that diabetes thing taken care of. And so I haven't been able to do well. And I have to tell you, some of you have just been very, very helpful with a lot of tips and uh, you know how we how I should take care of myself and then others of you have actually brought stuff for me to use so I have to say a big thank you uh, to Sharon Owen because she said her dad had a couple of things that he uses and um, she gave me this big magnifying glass that uh, I was able to read my words and then I thought this was really cool because this is a uh, more of a computerized version of stuff and you can put it over those devices and I mean it's fantastic the way that the words just became much bigger and I was able to see and so I want to say thank you to Sharon the only thing I'm concerned about is she did take it from her dad so I don't know what he's doing to see right now you know um, and then um, I have to tell you, I, uh, I, the thing with those devices, though, you have to hold them in your hand. And there was a lot of things I needed to look at, flip the pages. I couldn't read my commentaries. So uh, Craig Jones suggested something. And so I went to, um, I went to uh, Office Depot and I got this contraption. And uh, this is just wonderful because it just sits there and I can read everything. And the nice thing, too, is I can check out diamonds if you need me to afterwards. And so, you know, I I can cut all those things for you. So this has been great. But I have to tell you, um, I can finally start seeing again. And so I I, I just want to give praise to God for that because I only need my reading glasses now. And so, uh, so, you know, things are a little bit back to normal. but anyways, we're getting to our next uh, season of, uh, of, of Advent, and the thing we're focusing on today is joy. Now, I don't know about, um, I'm not sure how you guys celebrate all your traditions and things in life, but I have to tell you, my mom made sure that around the Thanksgiving holiday, that we would all sit around our big table there, and she would go around and individually ask us what you're thankful for, and then that's one of the things that you'd respond to. And I love all the husbands, because they they're, they're smart. They're always like, first thing they always thanked is their wife. 
You know, I'm thankful for my spouse. I was like, that's a good move. You know, that's not a rookie thing. Like you've been there because you know that if you don't say that you're in trouble later, right? You know, and then we did always have the Christian answers in our house. You know, I I appreciate the church. I'm, I'm thankful for Jesus as my savior. We had all those. A lot of people said, thank you for family. And then you'd always hear somebody go, oh man, that's what I was going to say. Because they felt like they had to say something different, you know? So this one year we're sitting around the table and I know my mom for her that there was a lot of anticipation in hearing all the comments. But we got around to my Grandpa Kennedy this one year. And my Grandpa Kennedy had just lost uh, his wife, and it would be my mom's mom. And um, so I know that she was probably anticipating what she would hear as much as he would be thankful for. And I have to tell you, in this sort of, um, oh, I don't know, just sort of this sort of depressing and yet a little bit harsh voice, he said, I don't have anything to be thankful for this year. And I remember just looking at my mom and her two sisters that were still alive at the time. And I remember seeing sort of the sadness in her eyes. Because she thought there's nothing to be thankful for. You can't be thankful for your daughters. You can't be thankful for your grandkids. You can't be thankful that we're all here. Like the fact that he couldn't find anything at all to be thankful for. I mean just totally devastated her. And I was on my way today, and I was listening to a message. Um, I don't even know who the speaker was. But I thought he said something really profound. He says, joy comes out of our thanksgiving. You know, and there are moments when you and I have to find a reason to be thankful. And in that thankfulness comes out of our joy. You know, my grandpa had a moment where he really could have spoke in and really made a difference in the lives of the family there. And with just a couple of words, he could have brought joy to their lives. And yet he had focused in on his pain, his hurt, and missed an opportunity there to do something well. And I think in my own life, how many times do we miss the opportunity to provide a little bit of joy or a little bit of thanksgiving in somebody's life that can end up making a big difference? You see, in this Advent season, what we've chose to do is we've chose to look at Jesus and as a baby... And realize that this big God became very small to make a big difference in our world. In the first week, we focused on the word hope. And we lit that candle of hope. And you know that hope, as we were talking about it, is the idea of more than just a wish. But hope in the Bible means they believed that something was going to happen. It wasn't going to be just a little bit of hope. Like, I hope this candle lights for me here. (laughs) Eventually, maybe? No. Okay, well, I pre-lit these things so that wouldn't happen, but oh well. All right. So anyways, the hope is this, is that God helped them in the past. So they saw that true. They saw him in the present, which is Emmanuel, God with them, that the Messiah was finally come to this earth. And then because of both those things, there's still a hope about the future when he'll return Again, because if he was with us in the past and he's with us in the present, then he's sure to be with us in the future as well. And then last week, as our kids were doing their play, we focused on the word peace. And what we said, it's interesting that the world or the Israelites or the Jews, they were expecting, they were expecting the Messiah to come in the form of a warrior, right? I've got to concentrate here for some reason. I can't get these things lit. Okay. Eventually. There we go. Okay. 
I'm getting good at this, all right? So bear with me. Uh, anyway, so they expected somebody that would come in the form of a warrior. And yet Jesus chose to do what? God sent Jesus as the most peaceful thing you could, a baby. And then all through his ministry, remember, we focused a little bit last week that Jesus, when he came, he didn't, he didn't say, like, I've come to threaten all the authorities and I've come to just really bash people. What he said is he, he started giving remarks about, hey, listen, what I want you to do, instead of going after your enemies, I want you to love them. And I want you to pray for those who persecute you. The most peaceful act you could have even done. And then when Jesus was arrested, we even point out the fact that the disciples were ready to go to war. One of them cut off one of the guy's ears, Peter. And yet Jesus said, no, 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 guys. That's not what I've come to do. I didn't come to cause a rebellion. In other words, he did the most peaceful thing he could and allowed himself to be sacrificed. Even in the midst of all those religious leaders, he allowed him to be sacrificed on a cross for your and my sin. And then today, we focus on the word joy. And last year, if you remember the message that we gave, one of the things that we talk about is that no one can steal your joy. It's something that you actually have to give away. And so today, as we look at, again, the joy, we're going to look at the, what the joy that Jesus brings to our lives today. If you have your Bibles with you, we're going to look today at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. And uh, I have to tell you, there's, uh, again, in this sort of in this kind of crazy time, I, I think it's interesting how that my grandpa, again, he could have taken a moment to just ha cause everybody to just like be at ease and have a little joyous moment. Instead, he sort of dampened the whole group. And what you realize is negative comments can affect people negatively where positive things can affect people positively, you know? So we were trying to discuss what movie we would show you today. And I can't think of the more, most positive person um, to come out of a movie than Elf, right? Okay, so you guys know the movie Elf, like this guy, he'd been, looked like he'd been abandoned by his parents or something, you know, and uh, um, listen, I'm not going to tell you the story because I'm going to do a terrible job, so we're going to have Jim Bell tell you the unnecessary telling of Elf. Welcome to Unnecessary Recaps with Jim Bell. I'm your host, Jim Bell. And today, we're going to be recapping the movie Elf. Now, most people believe this movie begins in the North Pole, but then they'd be wrong. Actually, it begins in New York City, where a sweet little infant crawls into Santa's bag and gets whisked away to the North Pole. Now, I really don't care if you think it's cute that Papa Elf decides to raise the orphan, but what we have here is a legitimate case of kidnapping. But tell me, charge Santa with second-degree felony and risk ending up on the naughty list? <laughs> you ask me, after watching this movie, Santa may have crept onto that list himself. But for the next 20-some years, Santa, Papa Elf, and their elf crime syndicate brainwashed Buddy into believing he is actually an elf, moving from a second-degree felony to a first-degree felony. Until it becomes clear that they cannot maintain their illicit trade any longer and reveal to Buddy that he's the son of a book publisher who himself is on the naughty list. The remainder of the movie is the story of a young elf man's battle with Stockholm Syndrome as he leaves a world where elves and his co-workers and his best friends are talking Norwal and Arctic puffins. 
and enters a world where he gets a new family, a job in the toy department at the Gimbel's department store, and even experiences a budding romance with Jovi, the young lady who makes his tongue swell and shares his affinity for elf culture. But all the while, he keeps getting rejected by his biological father because Buddy cannot help but keep identifying with his elf captors, as evidenced by his need to put maple syrup on his spaghetti and his wicked snowball fighting skills. Finally, coming to the realization that he doesn't fit into either world, Buddy runs away. But noticing Santa's sleigh falling out of the sky, Buddy makes a 180 and pursues the wreckage into Central Park where his two worlds collide. Santa with his broken down sleigh and Buddy's dad who has a Hallmark movie-esque epiphany regarding his love for Buddy. Buddy's two worlds then team up and attempt to save Christmas. And it's at this point the true moral of this story reveals itself. Now follow me. Santa kidnaps Buddy and converts him to elfism at the beginning of the movie. Then encourages him to evade rest in Central Park at the end of the movie so Buddy's infectious personality can bring the Christmas spirit to New York City and save Christmas. What is the moral of this story, you ask? <laughs> yes, Virginia. Two wrongs. They do make a right. And that's pretty much the movie Elf. Well, thank you, Jim. That definitely was unnecessary the way you told that. So let's read together then from Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. It says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord showed around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you again for your word and the power that there is in it. And Father, we think of this time that you left heaven to become like us. And Father, for so many of us to think of all that you left to come here on earth, and even though we enjoy what we have, still nothing can compare to what you left in the glories of heaven. So Father, I pray today that all of us would be reflective today with thanksgiving in our heart to find joy in all situations. Father, I pray that that joy would extend to others as well, and that offering a little bit of joy to others would make a big difference in their lives. Father, if there's anything today that I would get wrong in the message, any thoughts that are unclear, anything that I would speak wrong, I pray, Father, that you would clean it up in the ears of your people so that the only word that they would hear today is from you. In your name we pray. Amen. So we use that part of the story today because there's one line in that movie that Buddy says, and it's this. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. You see, Buddy understood what maybe you and I don't, that we can have a basically an infectious personality in other people when we express our joy to those around us. And it's interesting because when we go through the scriptures, one of the things that we'll see is the Bible often says, in all situations, just try to find a way to be thankful or to find joy. You remember Paul and Silas who were in prison. Their response to it was what? They found joy. 
They prayed with one another, and they almost celebrated, and they rejoiced with what was going on. Now, can you imagine being in that situation? And I have to tell you, there's some difficulties and things that we go through in life where it almost may seem like it's hard to find joy in that situation. And so today, as we look at these passages of Scripture, I think the first thing you'll find from this passage is they were involved in a situation. And I want to give you that situation because if, again, you remember, the Roman authorities were so oppressive to the people of God with their taxation and the way that they treated them and the way that they um, would want to physically harm people for sport. Like it was very difficult in those times and they would find it even more difficult after Jesus left as the world would sort of have this challenge between one another, those who believe in Christ and those who didn't and they would try to hold it down as much as possible. But this was the world that they were living in. And out of this world, what the people of God have been praying for is that there would be a Savior, a Messiah, who would basically come out, as we expressed before, as a warrior, and basically get rid of the Roman oppression, and the Israelites would once again be established as the people of God, and they would be able to sort of take things and do things the way that they wanted. And so this was a comforting idea for them, but it was where they placed their hope, where they placed their trust. And so we have a situation in this passage today. And where we read, and the shepherds were living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. This is a pretty easy thing that was going on. The shepherd's role was to what? It's to protect the sheep, right? I mean, they're supposed to be near them day and night, making sure that they're being taken care of. They're to make sure that they graze. They're to make sure that they get water. And as we've read before, even when they would bring them in at night, the shepherds would check all their, sort of their bodies and check for scrapes and bruises and cuts. And if they found anything, they would take oil and they would apply it to those things, which by the way, gives a lot more meaning to the 23rd Psalm when it says, and I anoint your head with oil. It's the idea that Jesus brings us in every night looking over us, seeing what's, what cuts and scrapes and bruises we may have and says, I want to anoint that area or I want to touch it because I want to provide healing in your life. And these shepherds were out there watching and protecting probably the littlest sound that they would hear where they would feel like it was danger, they might awaken and then they would protect those sheep. Why? Because it was their livelihood. It was the thing that they were concerned about. And the world at this point, especially for the Jews and the Israelites, they were concerned about a Messiah coming, somebody that would help them, somebody that would protect them, somebody that would heal their land. I have to tell you, I think the situation today in our world is not that much different. I think in our world today, we desperately in need of a Savior. We are desperately in need of a Christ that would heal our land, that would heal our thoughts, that would find our scrapes and our bruises, that that a Savior who would know your situation, know what damage has been done, know where you have been hurt, know where somebody has said an unkind word to you or made a false accusation about you. And that may be the situation that you're living in. Some of you may be living in a situation where you don't know what to do for your kids. You don't know how to provide for them. You don't know how to protect them. You don't know how to, to save them from some of the, the, the things of this world. And you're trying to figure it out. And you, you desperately want to help them. And we cry out for a Savior. Some of you in your marriages are in such a situation where you're like, I don't know if we can keep going on like this. What do we need to do to get the help we need? Some of you will find that in your jobs. Some of you will find it in your friendships. 
But most importantly, some of us will find it in our own lives, spiritually. Like, I don't know what your situation is, but there is one that does, and his name is Jesus. And when Jesus came into this world, it was God with us, Emmanuel. Somebody that would understand your hurts, somebody that would understand your frustration, somebody that would be with you and your joy. I also have to tell you today, for some of you, the situation is just the fact that you're here. And I want you to know, it's no accident that you're here today. God has ordained this moment. He knew that you would specifically be here. He knew that you would specifically be listening. And I have to tell you, he wants to talk to you today. And so whatever your situation is, know this, that God wants to protect you. He wants to heal you. He wants to love you. But will you let him? And some of you in your families and some of the situations you're going through in life, you're trying to be the protector. You're trying to be the helper. You're trying to be the one that wants to intervene. But there is no one that can intervene like God. And we have to allow him to use us in those moments. We're not just talking about a situation because as they were protecting the sheep, I want you to recognize what happens next because what begins to happen is that there's a sort of disorientation that begins to take place. So in verse 9, we read, An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Now, you would think if the glory of the Lord shone around them, you would think that you would be accepting of that because this is something that you had been praying for. This is something that you've been thinking about. And if the angels appeared to you, there would be this sort of, oh, moment, and you would be happy and glorious. But the truth is, if you're sleeping at night and you're getting ready to just settle down and a group of angels or one angel comes in and the glory of the Lord shows, man, you may be terrified because your instinct, again, is to protect. And this is something that you've never seen before. And so there is a disorientation that may have happened for them. And they said, even in the presence of the Lord's angels, they were terrified. And again, if you think about some of the situations that we get involved in, like there are moments that it can feel very disorienting, can it? Like you can step through a situation and say, well, I, I've never had to deal with this. Like, I don't know how to walk into this moment with my kids. I felt like my parents had the perfect marriage and though I may be struggling in my marriage, I'm not sure how to walk through this and we become very disoriented. Some of you have been used to doing your jobs a certain way, but then somebody comes in and says, we're going to do things a new way and that can be very disorienting and it, it can cause problems. And I have to tell you, some of you came into this place today, coming in with your situation, knowing that you need help and yet you're disoriented. Why? Because you've never been here before. Things are different. People are singing songs. They're taking time to pray. They're showing crazy elf movies and stuff up there. The pastor is bringing out uh, stuff to see better. You know, all of this stuff can seem very disorienting to you. And there's a little bit of fear and trepidation about even being here. There's a little bit of fear about what's next. There's a little bit of fear of like, Man, if I become one of these people and if I ask Christ in my heart, like, what's that going to mean for me? What things do I have to give up? And it can become very disorienting and very cloudy. And we can be very afraid in those moments. 
And being afraid can actually stop us or paralyze us from not continuing to move forward. And yet the angel of the Lord was with them. It was God's messenger sent to them to reveal a simple truth. And even though you may feel a little bit disoriented today, God wants to share something with you. And so in verse 10, what we have come next is the proclamation. It says, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news. Now, I I think, again, that's one of those things that's easier said than done. Okay, you're out there in the middle of the night and there are these angels that come around you, you know. And I mean, like that would be overwhelming. And again, you may be afraid. And all of a sudden they're like, don't be afraid. And you're like, okay, prove to me why I shouldn't be afraid. And we go through moments again in lives where like there are times that we're afraid and somebody will come up to us and say, don't worry or don't fret. I've been there and I've done that. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. And you're like, oh, okay. But you're not in my situation. You don't know what I'm going through. And there can be, again, sort of this moment when people want to speak into your life, but we're not going to let them because we're not sure of their situation or if it's even similar or, or if I could even handle it the way that they are because maybe they're a stronger person. And, and so we struggle with sort of the proclamation. But the angel of the Lord said, I bring you good news. That was the proclamation that he was going to bring. I bring you good news. In other words, don't be afraid. And we need those moments in our life when somebody proclaims good news. We need those moments in our life when somebody tells us our worth or our value. And we're going to get in this in a minute because shepherds were not considered the same as other people. And yet the angel of the Lord came to them to bring the good news. They were the first ones to sort of hear the gospel. And so they were going to proclaim that truth as well. And again, we'll sit into a situation like this and we'll hear the good news of Jesus and what he can offer and what he can do for us and how he can free us. But we in part are able then to go share that good news with other people as well. And so even though some of you may be sitting here today saying, you know, I'm a little bit afraid of what this means, what church means, what Jesus means. Let me tell you this. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to walk through life's circumstances. Because there is God, there is the Holy Spirit, there is Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, that will be with you in your most difficult times and be there with you in your times of joy as well. He is willing to walk with you each and every step of the way. And you and I at times need to have somebody proclaim truth into our life. Some of you who may be struggling with your kids, listen, you're a good parent. And you're doing the best that you can. You just need God to intervene a little bit more. Some of you are afraid because some of the diagnosis you've been given about sort of health issues. Listen, don't be afraid. God's given wisdom to doctors and nurses in order to perform great things. But God can provide a healing touch as well. And even if it doesn't come on this earth, like I experienced with my mom, I know where she's at today, celebrating and fully healthy. And she walked through that moment not afraid. Because somebody proclaimed the good news to her long ago. And some of you need to know that you're worth something. 
that you're valued. Your work may tell you that you're less, but you're valued. The school may tell you that you're not quite as athletic as the other kids. God values you. You may feel in a church situation that you're not the best Christian that you can be. I don't read my Bible. I don't pray as much as another person. Listen, you are valued. You are valued. And that's the good news. And then there's the implication. Because in verse 10b, I would would call it, um, he says that as I give you this good news, this will cause great joy for all the people. And what you need to understand is this good news was for everyone. You see, shepherds at that time were known as sort of the lowliest of the low. Like, they were the weirdos. They were out there in the fields at night, and they were dirty, and they hung around sheep all the time, and, and you know, had to clean them up, had to take care of them, and they could go for a long time maybe without baths. And so they were not the people that you wanted to be around. And yet, who did the angels come to? The shepherds. The lowliest of low. Because the implication is this. That the good news of Jesus Christ is not just for the Jews. Matter of fact, if you look at some of the Gospels like Matthew, right away he tells you that this, it's for everyone. It's for the Gentiles as well. Because they knew something by the end of the story that they wanted to share in the beginning so that readers wouldn't tune, tune them out. And I want you to know the good news of Jesus Christ is for every single person here. It doesn't matter how dirty you are. It doesn't matter how disgusting your life has been. It doesn't matter about the choices that you've made in the past and maybe are still making even today as you come in here. What matters is this, is the good news is for you because you are valued in his sight and he wants to change your life. And some of us need to know that because there are so many things in this world where we feel like it's not for everyone. And church, listen, I've apologized to you before on this one, but there is, has been a time when the church has not been the place of good news. The church hasn't been the place of acceptance and love because we've tried to clean everybody up before they even knew Christ. And so what we, the, basically the implication we gave to the world that unless you do this, this, and this, you can't step into our doors or you can't be a Christian. And what you and I need to understand the good news is this, is that Jesus Christ comes into your life first, inwardly, And then he'll take care of the outward stuff. But we got in too many trouble of trying to take care of everybody's outward stuff before the inward stuff is ever handled. And this sounds much like the religious leaders in Jesus' time. They were trying to put all these rules and regulations on people. And even though Jesus came into this world, he says, look, he says, I haven't haven't come to like mess with the law. I haven't come to like make it less. I, I, I basically come to support it and make it greater. But I think you guys got this a little off. Like we should be showing more love and more mercy and more grace in our world because that's the good news. And if it wasn't for everyone, then I might as well quit speaking here today. But the good news is for each and every single person here today. That good news that Jesus Christ came into this earth to save you and me. And so we get to the revelation because revelation is basically this idea that God reveals himself to humanity. 
Like he says, like you've seen me from afar, even though I used to walk with you, but because of sin, there became the separation. But he said, I am wanting once again to reveal myself to you. It's why we have the word of God. It's God's revelation or his words to us. It's what we read. It's what we understand about God. It's about praying where God reveals himself and speaks to us. But in verse 13, In verse 11 here, it says, Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And it's interesting that he uses David as an example there. Why? You remember how David started out? What was he? The shepherd. A shepherd who became king. And this king would have made mistakes along the way. But it was promised that the Messiah would come from the line of David. And so already we understand that God is revealing himself, that he has already started revealing himself in the Old Testament, that this would in fact come from the line of David. And now we have it here in the present where it now is being revealed to us that it is in fact Jesus, the Messiah, the Savior, God with us. He is revealing himself to us. The Messiah has come. And the Messiah, Messiah meaning anointed one. This is one that had been talked about. This has been the one that had been proclaimed. And again, if you and I would be real with ourselves, we need moments in time where we have a revelation. I've needed people to step into my life and say, I think you're wrong on this one. I've needed my wife at times to come in and say, honey, I think the way that you responded to the kids was very poor. And even though that can eat me up inside, I need that revelation to me. I need that spoken proclamation into me because then it's there that I deal with it and say, you know what? She's right. And in that revelation, I begin to do things differently. And there are times when you and I need some things revealed in our own lives, some things that we are not doing right And some of us can get weighed down by that. But the good news is this. Jesus Christ, when he came to this earth and he lived with us, when he eventually died on the cross, he did enough for all of our sins, both past, present, and in the future. He was enough. And God revealed his plan to humanity in this form of a baby, the anointed one. And you and I need to have those anointed moments. When God uses somebody else to speak to us or he reveals himself in prayer or in reading the word, you and I begin to deal with things and say, now that one I got wrong. There are times when I've gossiped. There are times when I've slandered. There are times when I haven't given God everything. And I need God to reveal himself to me and say, Chuck, come on. I still value you. I still trust you, and I still love you. And so through that, then we realize about his salvation, because in verse 11, we read, the Messiah is the Lord. He is the Savior. And again, that's what he brought them. He brought them all this freedom. Like, they thought freedom would be from Roman oppression. And what Jesus came to do is to free people from their sin. To free people from their evil thoughts, from their wicked ways, and to say, I want to change this world. And I have to tell you, there is not a day that doesn't go by anymore where I feel like I don't need a Savior. There's not a time when I don't hear the news and I don't think we need a Savior. 
And I'm not just talking about the world around us. I'm talking about just here in Marion, even in our own homes, in our own schools, in our own workplaces. Like we need a savior. We need somebody that will break those bonds of sin and remind us that we are valued and we are loved and we are treasured. And in this moment, the shepherds were being given the greatest news at all, that the anointed one, the one that had been talked about in the Old Testament, is coming true in the form of a baby. And he will be the salvation. He will be the savior of the world. And listen, some of you that have come today, maybe this is your first time, he's come to be your savior as well. He's come to take all that stuff in your past. And the scripture tells us that when you ask Christ in your life, he's able to throw it as far as the east is from the west, never to be remembered again. And that's hard for us to imagine because you and I, our memory is too great. And we, there are, I mean, there's still days that I go back to and say, why did I ever do that? That was so stupid. And yet I have a savior who loved me enough that he saved me from my own mistakes. Now, obviously, probably in this situation, as they were being proclaimed these things, and as they saw an angel of the Lord there, there was some confirmation that they needed. And so in verse 12, they said this, the angel of the Lord said to him, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. And again, that may not mean anything significant to us, but man, it wasn't just claws that you put a little baby in. It wasn't just a manger. It wasn't just a trough that you would put a baby in. Like you would find the best place you could. You would make sure that they had clothes that were already stitched and already made so you could put that baby in it. And it says that they just had claws, strips of linen that were placed on that child. It's interesting to me that the same sort of strips of linen and cloth they would find at the resurrection later as well. Jesus came in with the cloth and he went out with the cloth as well. But that would be the sign to them that says, you want to believe that everything I'm saying is true? Because I know that when you go there, what your view of the Messiah will be is this warrior. And in fact, it's a baby that I'm bringing into this world. And you want proof of it? Here's the proof. And I have to tell you, there are times when I feel like God is speaking directly to me. There are situations when that have been revealed to me and where I need to, you know, sort of make restitution and, and I need to choose sort of another path or, or go a different direction or where he leads me, I will follow. And in those moments, I need a savior who will confirm those things to me. And it's always interesting how those confirmations come. There have been many a day when I thought, well, what am I doing up here? I mean, Lord, did you really call me to speak and do ministry and be a pastor? And yet those confirming words will come from some of you. I say, Pastor, thanks for that message today. It really spoke to me. And even though I know that I'm not the one who is doing the work, it's him. It's a confirming word. And there are days that you and I need confirming words, don't we? There are days when I struggle again with my kids and think, man, I'm, I don't know that I'm the best dad. Or the, you know, I think I'm the worst dad ever. And there's a confirming word that happens when the kids give me a hug or when the kids come up and ask me a question or the kids say, I love you, dad. There can be times in your marriage when you think, man, I don't, I don't know if we're doing this right or we seem like we're arguing a lot and, and we're fighting about stupid things and yet there's a confirming word that happens or a confirming touch that makes you realize that you're in this together forever. And I'm so thankful for those confirming moments. 
And the angel gave them a confirming moment. Like when you go and see this baby, you're going to find this baby. And it's the Messiah. It's the Savior. And you're not going to find him in a typical situation. You're going to find him lying in a manger with claws wrapped around him. And I think what's interesting in all of this is then what celebration begins to happen. Because I believe this, a little bit of good news can bring so much joy into someone's life. You know, we read later that not just one angel appeared, but a multitude of angels then appeared and they began to praise God. And when these shepherds went to that place, when the wise men went to that place, they also saw the Savior and they celebrated. And I would love to tell you that you're going to have moments of celebration all the time, but listen, we should be thanking God each and every day for those little moments that we have. We should be thanking God for those confirmation moments. Even in prison, we should be rejoicing and praising and thanking God because he has given each and every one of us those moments. Church, would you bow your head and close your eyes with me for just a moment? Because I think that there are some of you into this day that don't even know why you showed up here. Maybe somebody invited you. Maybe you just felt the presence of God. I want you to know this. God ordained this moment for you to be here today. And you've heard the good news about Jesus. And you're no different than anybody else. We've all been created with sin in our life. But you have a moment right now to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. And at this morning, you want to say, you know what? I want to be accepting of that good news. Would you either just look up at me or raise your hand? I want to pray for you this morning. Thank you. Got it. Thank you in the back there. Got it. Thank you on the side here. Got it in the back. Yep, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Let's pray together. Father God, we take this moment to acknowledge that you are God and to acknowledge that your presence and becoming a very baby and living with us in this life is just amazing and outstanding. The fact that a big God became very small to make a big difference in our life is something that we need. I pray for those this morning that said, I want to accept Christ. And Father, may we pray this, that we recognize that we are sinners and we recognize that, Father, it's through whatever, all of our past, all the things that we've got going on, all the time that we missed the mark. And Father, we're asking right now that you would come into our lives and that you would take that sin and you would throw it away, that it would never be remembered again. And that, Father, that you would live within our spirit, within our bodies, within our hearts. And that we can recognize and praise you as God. And, Father, for those ones that have made this declaration today, I pray that even when the enemy comes and tries to say, nah, no, 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 that wasn't real, that they wouldn't be afraid of what he has to say, but they would say, no, no, no. I know with the authority and the blood and the power of Jesus Christ that I have indeed been forgiven. So, Father, may we leave this place today recognizing your grace and your love. In your name we pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you are in the Marion area, we would love to engage with you at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fantastic children and student ministries, visit us at dayspringwesleyan.org. That's dayspringwesleyan.org.